EBS Podcast presents. Hey guys, it's me, Caleb. We're back at it again. This is the Estonian Business School's Just Go podcast. Where we interview Estonian Business School students who have done their Erasmus and they've came back and they want to tell us their stories. So today we're guested with Katti Peterson. How are you doing today, Katti? Hi, I'm great. <laughs> You're great. And correct me if I'm wrong, you went to Korea, South Korea specifically. Yes, I did. So I guess the first real question to ask is uh, why Korea? Um, why not? <laughs> well, actually, um, I really wanted to do an Erasmus thing, um, but I have traveled a lot and mm-hmm. I was kind of bored with Europe. So I started to see where we had scholarship to, okay. like which countries. And okay. Korea was, I think, only one, the okay. only country. They had one scholarship there, so I applied and it went from there. Were you the only EBS student there? Yes, I was the only one and the first Estonian. The first Estonian in all of South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> in Dejan, but yeah, in okay. the city I was in. Oh, that's that's really cool. So I guess the question is then if you were the only, you were the first Estonian to go there, the first EBS student to go there, and hopefully because of the podcast, more will go to South Korea. But were you uh, one of few Erasmuses who would actually end up picking South Korea to go to? Um, I know there was at least one more person. Okay. But because there was only one scholarship and I, for some reason, won. <laughs> so she or he couldn't come. Intr- you, so you, you beat out another Erasmus student. Yep. You crushed their dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's just a, a statement of how good EBS is. We crush yep. other schools' dreams. That's so staying in the recording, by the way. There's no taking <laughs> that out. Crushing dreams. That's the episode name. But um, I mean, other than other than just that general gist, was there anything specific to Korea that really drove you to pick there? Because again, you know, I understand the whole I'm bored of Europe thing. I mean, trust me, I, to a degree I am. Mm-hmm. There's too many castles. But was there something that maybe during high school years or through social media that you saw that just really drew your eye? Um, That was the weird thing, because mostly all the exchange students in Korea, they were before going there, really obsessed with Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I knew that the capital was Seoul, that there was South Korea, that there was North Korea, and that was it. I didn't know. I, I had heard of K-pop, but I didn't know any songs. Uh, just before I went, one of my friends introduced me, like played me a few songs, and I was like, eh, and that was it. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you really walked in there with literally nothing. Yeah, because... Um, the summer before I went to Korea, I was in uh, the U.S. I was doing the Southwestern book selling thing, and oh, yeah. I hadn't, I didn't have any time to think about Korea at all. So okay. um, when I came back from the U.S., I had one day in Estonia to repack. Then I went on the plane, and I was on the plane and thinking, um, "Where am I going? <laughs> what is this? Like, who's gonna pick me up?" I knew nothing, and yeah, clean slate. I am actually amazed because you know. You know, with with uh, my job, I get to meet a lot of people, and especially with podcasting. You know, I've had the opportunity to really get in depth into speaking with people who especially have just gone to Europe, essentially. And I think that there's a general consensus. They have an idea of what the EU lifestyle is like. And the only difference is there's mild to moderate cultural shifts between, you know, going from here to Greece, going here to Spain, here to wherever that country may be in the EU. But you, uh, you really just... You you went at it, I guess, is the way to put it. And so let me get this right. You did your you did the book selling in the states, and how long were you there for? Um, the U.S. Yeah, three months. Three months. So by that time, when you go into the U.S., did you experience any sort of culture shock? Absolutely. I had no clue because you know, 
when you think of the US, you think of all the movies you've seen, you think that yeah. you know everything, you think you know YouTube, and then yeah. you go there. Um, maybe also because I was in Alabama, it was kind of a different yeah. state. <laughs> yeah. So um, the culture shock was huge. Okay. And then you come back to your home nation for just like essentially, hey, mom, here's my laundry. Uh, please put it away. <laughs> and then you just like, well, where's the new laundry? We talked about this over the phone. You picked, you just, you even go back home? Do you just, your parents just meet you with bag swaps at the airport or? Yeah. Well, basically in the US, because I was working, I hadn't, I didn't really have any like nice clothes or anything. So I just had a totally new suitcase ready and just, you know, went off. Okay. Um, and I guess at that point, then you coming here, you didn't get to experience anything like any luxuries that you miss from home, you just went into, I, I assume, another massive culture shock. Well, I actually had a list ready for my parents to like, I want this food, I want that food. Oh, and, okay. you know, pack me this to Korea. And yeah, <laughs> you were you were prepared. You were you were like, Mom, listen, carry on. I got that. I just need a massive bag of kohokoke or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, okay, yeah. Just, <laughs> I, want I want kilograms of that. Yeah, and black bread. Black bread. Mm. That must have been, that. you were like, you know what? Airplane food sucks. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna spread random jams across black bread and enjoy it. Oh, yep. All right. So then I guess we've, we've, we've spoken a little bit about the culture shock, but then what was the major, the major culture shock that you experienced going into Korea? Um, that's another weird part. I think because I had such a huge culture shock in, in Alabama, um, I felt more at home in Korea. It's really weird because Korea is essentially different in so many aspects. But when I went there, I felt my values were exactly like theirs. Um, how the people acted, it was more like home. So, I mean, um, growing up, I went to international school. So I, I, had a, I had a decent amount of Korean friends. So I can understand that, you know, Koreans and Estonians have a lot of similarities. You know, you guys don't like talking loud or with people showing emotions, uh, lack of emotions. So I guess I can mm. see that. Um <laughs> I guess at this point it is a school podcast, guys. So we got a we got a question about the school. What was your school like? Let's put it that way. Or um, what was the first off? What was the name of the school? The name was uh, Soulbridge School of Business. Soulbridge School of Business mm -hmm. sounds like an R and B record. <laughs> um, it was a different school from most Korean schools. I think. I think there's no school like Soulbridge in Korea. Okay. Um, they have seventy percent of international students. Okay. Um. It's a big school. It has a, uh, not a skyscraper, like 15 floors. Um, as you do as a, as a university. Normally, university campuses are spread out. They just mm. went straight up. Well, it's Korea. They don't have any space. So everything's straight up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean, I guess our school doesn't have a lot of space and we go straight up as well. Did you did you feel at home that way? Because then you're used to EBS, I guess, having multiple floors and at least that I assume if you have 15 floors, you have an elevator. Well, we had um, three elevators, three elevators or four. Okay. And um, during break times, mm -hmm. you could not get to class on time because there were so many students packing themselves into the elevators. And if you wanted to like walk 14 floors, which I did, mm -hmm. um, then you could maybe make on time, but you were sweaty. So. Sweaty on time for class, cramped, sweaty in an elevator. I think I know which one I would pick. The mm. elevator. <laughs> um, I guess though, but you said it was what, 70, like 70 odd percent was international then. Mm. Yeah. So do you feel that, um, well, first off, what's what was the makeup of that? Was it like Australians, Chinese, Japanese? Like who was the predominant international folk? Um, mostly, I guess, Chinese, yeah, because okay. it's kind of close. Mm -hmm. um, 
We had a lot of Uzbekistan people. Okay. Some Russians, a um, few people from Europe, um, um, a lot from France, I think. Okay. Uh, not a lot of Japanese people for cultural reasons, I guess. Um, we won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a few people from the US also and Kazakhstan and all those kind of countries near Korea, I think. Near Korea. But you're saying predominantly like the Eurasia to China yeah. area. Yeah. Okay. And um, I guess at this point, then also something that someone might be concerned of, we should we should attain to is um, how was the English there? Was it like if you were because I know sometimes um, I think Estonians get very into their head and they get very fearful of how they how mm -hmm. they sound and if they're pronunciating right. If they're point out, I have no problem understanding any Estonian. Uh, very rarely do I have trouble. At that point, they're actually speaking Russian and not Estonian. So there's a difference <laughs> there. Um, but did you have any trouble, you know, trying to understand what people were saying or, I mean, specifically in the school here, because I wouldn't expect anything for the general population. But if someone's saying, I'm thinking about Korea, but I'm nervous about the English, is that something they should be concerned about? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, Koreans themselves are scared to talk English mm -hmm. because of the same reasons. Um, in the school, a lot of the Chinese people, they didn't speak amazing English, but they still tried, you know, body language, everything. You get everything. Okay. So, like, we have translators if you need. and. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't really scared to talk there. Okay. Um, because nobody was interested in, in talking to like perfect English people or nobody was um, saying anything bad about anyone's English. Well, I think then maybe the way to look at it is that if no one is speaking fluent English, then no one can be the judge. Yes. And so it's a, <laughs> it must be actually a very freeing experience to have. I mean, I've had that experience um, here where... Um, you know, I'm trying to have a conversation midway through, you know, general conversation. People are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I don't speak good Estonian, uh, good English. I'm Estonian or I'm Russian or whatever. And I just be like, I, we've been speaking 35 minutes. At no point did I say, hey, what did you mean there? Mm. So, you know, I think maybe it's just I'm a native English speaker and people get nervous because of it. But I'm happy to hear this um, with with. So let's say the 70 percent of international students. Right. How many of that 70% were like Chinese and how many were that? Because uh, you said a majority of them were Chinese, right? Mm. Well, that's a difficult question. I don't remember the statistics so well, but... <laughs> I mean, like if you had to gauge a class of 170 or international, what would you say that number would be of... I would say maybe 20, 30 is Chinese. 20 to 30%? Yeah. That's, that's not bad. That's that's actually a very diverse group then. You have your majority, but then you got very diverse. Yeah. Um, at that point then... Um, in my experience of going to international schools, a lot of the kids from a specific country will click up and they'll form their own group. Was it something similar to that? Or was it, you know, because you're all, you know, there for a semester or a year, maybe full time. Was it easy to get into these groups and friends or was it easy to make friends? Or mm, It depended on the nationality, actually. Um, so the people from France, always together, um, really hard to get into their group. I mean, let's just put it that this way. We have French people who come to our school. I don't think I've ever seen them communicate with someone who's not French. And when they yeah. do speak English, they're telling the teacher, I will do the homework tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. So um, we did have those clusters, but um, because I was the only Estonian in the whole city, I had like no groups. There was actually one Finnish girl okay. um, later on I discovered. <laughs> so we kind of clicked there. But uh, a lot of the Russians and... and um, some other European countries, people were uh, were more like open to just getting to know a lot of cultures. So like bigger friend groups would kind of emerge okay. from there. Yeah. And did you did you find that 
because now now we've really spoken about the school we've given given some background of it i think the the key to every erasmus and key to any international experience is, is of course you know there's an academic level why you're there there's a purpose but i think the key fundamental that makes better people is the international experience that being said did you find that um did you find that you were friends with a lot of locals or were you friends with a lot of internationals? Because that's something I've noticed is that um, it. I'll, I'll give two cases like in my own personal experience. I have very few international friends. I can count my international friends on my fingers on one hand without a thumb or a pink three. <laughs> right. That's all for everyone else is Estonian for me. So I'm very like trying to integrate into the culture. Whereas I see sometimes um, a lot of Erasmus who come through because our Erasmus, our student council and Erasmus program is re very well built. It's very easy for everyone to really clump together and really not integrate or really experience it. Did you feel like there was something to that effect or? I am absolutely glad that I took a year and not one semester. Okay. Um, and I'm glad that half of it was without Corona and half of it was with Corona. Okay. That kind of relates to the the international stuff. So um, the first first half where the school was more active and stuff, we tried to communicate a lot with locals, but Koreans were really scared, especially because there was a lot of international people and they kind of like um, shied away. So I had mm -hmm. one Korean friend only. And also I got him like at the end of the semester. Yeah. Um, but I had friends from, I don't know, 20 different cultures. Okay. And, you know, you hear their stories, you hear how different everyone's world can be. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, then I came back to Estonia for like a month um, and then went back to Korea for the second semester with Corona. So everything was online. All right. Um, and uh, Koreans go to cafes a lot to study. Yeah. So did we. We had a... Um, when I see we, I say me and my sister. She also came. Oh, oh, so you... Okay, I thought you were doing this completely solo. I was for the first semester. Oh. And then second, my sister was like, yeah, I finished university. I don't have anything to do. Let's go together. Oh, she just YOLO'd a trip to Korea for yep. a while. Yep. And she's still there. So... <laughs> um, with the tourist visa, the three-month visa. But Corona, you know, extensions. Yeah, so... When we were there um, with the online classes, we went to the cafe a lot. Okay. Um, for a couple of months, it was kind of like my old friends and just us. And then uh, locals started to like notice and then try to, they're too scared to like come up to you and say hi. Yeah. Um, so they will start speaking English to themselves if they can mm -hmm. to get your attention. So you would come over and speak to them because you would see that they speak um, English. Um, and that happened to us and we got a huge group of local friends from okay. that interaction. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, first semester, totally international. Second semester, totally Korean. You actually had the best of both worlds and you got to experience mm -hmm. both sides. And I get why you're thankful for the for the year then because you, I mean, put it this way. I remember when Corona happened here and we got really lucky the way Corona was happening because we're not going into a winter. We were coming out of a winter when Corona happened. Um, was your, was your Corona lockdown as similar as us? Like, I mean, obviously you weren't here to experience the great Estonian lockdown for like <laughs> six months, but was it something similar to you? Cause I remember, uh, at least watching us news that Korea was somewhat of a model to follow because the case numbers were never really high there. If well, like 16 cases and it was locked down really, really quick. Um, how to start this topic? <laughs> So we were laughing a lot 
in Korea about the situation everywhere else in the world and laughing in kind of a sad manner because in Korea, um, because they have such a high density of people, they have to take action like when there is even like a whiff of anything, they have to start doing stuff. And yeah. for Koreans, um, they are more of a, a, a people's people. So they care about each other more. Um, so straight off, when there was any talk about cor- cor- uh, Corona, then... In Korea, 100% of people masks everywhere. And nobody, like, they started to themselves not go out as much. They All the hand sanitizers were everywhere in the buses, in the subways. It was, um, like, controlled from the start. So what you're saying is there wasn't a Freedom Square rally against no masks. Yeah. A very mask absolutely friendly. Absolutely not. Yeah. So I guess uh, I guess with that, it's a, it's a great point to bring up then. There's a very communal sense of, of culture yes. then. So, um would you say then the Korean people in your experience are very helpful to foreigners? They're very helpful to someone in need? Because, you know, um, for about three and a half years, I lived in Okinawa, Japan, which is the uh, southernmost island of the Japanese chain. And uh, the Okinawans are their own unique culture. But more importantly, uh, they don't commit any crime, if if any. And they're so in point of helping people that I remember there was like three times um, me and my dad had went to a water park. And my dad left his wallet on the dashboard and we walked like 30 minutes away. And some Japanese guy came up, uh, an Okinawan came up to us and be like, sir, you, you left your wallet in the car, by the way. Could, you should go get it. And we were just like, how, like if it was in the States, it totally would have been robbed. Yeah. On a topic of safety, Korea is also a very safe country. Okay. Um, I went to read outside a lot. Mm-hmm. I read on a Kindle. It's uh, it's the more expensive one. And, and I had my phone. I had my earpods. I had everything. And yeah. I got hungry. I left everything on the sidewalk, went to the corner store like 50 meters away, bought my ramen. Um, you can make it there on spot. I made it on spot and then went back. Everything's there. There is no crime like almost at all. I can't say 100% at all but <laughs> there's uh, foreigners doing some trouble there but if you're wondering about my facial expression it's because <laughs> uh why <laughs> yep. i mean again i guess this is like you're so i'm getting secondhand culture shock essentially because <laughs> in my book that's insane like yep i loved it though it was you know you can well you don't have to worry about anything you drop a, a, a some money yeah. nobody is gonna pick it up like you don't have to worry. You can be like, oh, I think I dropped some money. You can go back and take it. Yeah, if you dropped a fiver, I'd pick that up. But it's not necessarily going <laughs> back to you. So um, that being said, though, because we're, we're really we're really just, um, you know, it's my favorite part of the podcast is just talking about experiences and talking about what it is. So I'm just going to pick apart your brain, essentially, for the whatever amount of time we have left. But with it being so safe and the coronavirus taking care, did you actually, you had a lot of freedom then? Like you were just able to do things? Um, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, so in the first semester, we went out a lot. Okay. Um, partying, clubs. Um, I went to Seoul a lot. Uh, on my own, I went to museums. I went to concerts. I saw Hans Zimmer. I saw... Wait, you saw... Hans Zimmer? Yes, you how saw to pronounce it? Hans Zimmer. Yeah. I'm just, you saw him though. <laughs> In Korea. It's weird, but yeah, an amazing concert. Did he do any of the Interstellar soundtrack? Mm-hmm. He did? Mm-hmm. It's my favorite soundtrack <laughs> of all time. I listened to two and a half hours of it straight. So, um, but you you experienced everything. There, It's so safe. And 
So I guess the first the first semester for you was very much so like a lot of people's Erasmus experience. You know, you go out, you you you. I'm gonna put it this way: in my experience with Erasmuses, the main experiences outside of the school, as I've said before, but you really got to experience it all then. And then was it was it a bit of a, a shock when the lockdown came, or when you had to start putting restrictions on, or was it more like this is a bit of an inconvenience, but I still get to go outside? I was a little sad because I, um, especially because my sister came and I wanted to show her all the amazing things. Um, and then I saw that this museum's closed, that museum's closed, uh, <laughs> like all everything was like limited. Okay. Um, but still, actually, clubs didn't close down. Um, like coffee shops, restaurants, nothing closed down. So we were still able to travel and to go to places. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little a little amazed that the museum closed down, which. At least in my book, doesn't seem like an overly populated area, but a club does. <laughs> yep. Speaking of clubs, what was um? I guess what was what was the nightlife like? Amazing. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, it's a school <laughs> podcast. We can't go too in depth into that. But your general experience, because you've already said it's a very safe country and stuff. Was it? Do you ever feel like in a moment you were out in the blue, or you were nervous to be doing what you're doing, or just felt natural to be doing Absolutely what you're doing? Absolutely not. Well, um demographics of korea we don't have a lot of foreigners there so um constantly especially in some parts of seoul or um some not student parts of daejeon uh, i was the only blonde person i was the only taller girl so yeah. uh, and in the clubs there is a lot of men like it's almost 90 percent men that's a terrible ratio but yes yeah <laughs> for men <laughs> <laughs> but um for me i went to the clubs because the music was amazing their shows um sometimes they had some female djs who looked so cool and and i would just go to the 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 what's it called the bass speaker yeah. i would lay on top of there and just you know feel the music because it's so cool and uh, bartenders a lot of times were wearing the national clothes the hanbox okay which looked amazing um All the right. drinks everything was just like elevated so you're saying it wasn't your classic studio experience? Absolutely not. Like in Estonia, I, I didn't really go to clubs after yeah. a while because I just got bored. But well, there... I mean, off. the downside of us going back into lockdown, and I guess, I don't know if studio opened up or not, but I guess, did you get an opportunity to compare and contrast? And does your experience in Korea make you want to go back? Because yeah, I think... Back to Korea. Yeah, I mean... Like uh, with my experiences, I, I love living in Estonia and it's I've have this I've having a personal debate about where to move and what to do next and with my career and, and the next steps for me. But, you know, leaving Estonia is somewhat of a difficult idea for me because I'm, I've grown attached to this place and I, I, I understand how it works and operates. Um, more importantly, I really like the culture and how things operate and how you can get things done. Was your experience of the year in Korea something that had the same effect where you, you can envision yourself going back to Korea full time or? Um, when I had to come back to Estonia, yeah, I was frantically looking for ways to stay um, with visa, with school, yeah. because I have to finish like one more year here. Okay. Um, and then now I'm frantically searching for ways to go back okay. so internships jobs anything that i could go back because um i felt more at home there than i do here yeah it's very interesting you say you feel more at home there because the basic idea of 
just like the the stereotype of of um, I guess the Korean persona would be quiet um, to themselves, lack of emotions, and that just is Estonia. And well, you have that. You have that passport already. I think Korea is a better mix. So okay. they have a lot of the good Estonian traits, mm-hmm. but the some of the not as good Estonian traits, for example, the lack of emotion. Yeah. Um, Koreans, they do have emotions, but they're more polite and, and scared about it, but in a warmer way. So if you meet Estonians, they can seem sometimes like depressed or or um let's not use the word depressed let's say uh cold yes cold yeah, yeah. <laughs> so estonians are cold but koreans are warm but essentially like how they act is similar okay. and i guess with that being said because part of the podcast is also to really discuss and talk about you know at least i would like to make it more discuss about the future because i think a lot of people when they when they do have these experiences it opens their eyes to more possibilities internationally speaking um and then say you did want to return back to Korea and obviously you've done the research on how, how you would could have possibly stayed. Is it is it easy for um, an English speaker or a foreigner who speaks English to, to get an occupation in, in Korea? Is it easy to move back? Is, or is there, is there a lot of challenges just to get back into the country? There is a lot of challenges for Estonians. Okay. Um, our country hasn't made some like paperwork stuff with Korea, so it's harder for us. Um it's very easy for um, native English speakers. Very okay. easy. Um, but it's harder for people who are not from from country like that. All right. Mm, especially working like um, legally, because a lot of foreigners, they work illegally. It's what I've just experienced. We only approve of legal work on the Just Go yeah. podcast. <laughs> Nothing illegal. Thank you. I'm going to make that statement. Yeah. Please so that's continue. why I didn't want to stay there like, you know... Do well, some stuff with the visa and, and yeah, I just wanted legal work. So yeah, I would say that it would like while you might have got an extra two to five, maybe six months in the country if they if they found out you you wouldn't be back in a while. So yeah, yeah, in Korea you get deported fast. In our first um, week of our for my first semester, mm-hmm. um, I think one or two guys got deported because they hit a Korean. <laughs> so in Korea it's like a huge system. So they do not like approve. Of any violence so just hitting someone uh you get fined if you're korean hitting a korean but if you're a foreigner hitting you just get deported straight deported yep back to wherever you came from yep that's what in week number one this happened week number one i think it was even the the introduction week it wasn't even like week of classes you didn't even you didn't even get to start (laughs) you were you were like yeah uh, it's like a free what what is it but for me, it kind of started to make sense how people come from different places. Um, because uh, the guys were actually from Uzbekistan. Okay. Um, I have a very good friend who's from Uzbekistan. I, he's back in Korea right now. We call almost every day. Um, and uh, from the stories that he has told, their culture is more physical. Yeah. For them, like if you hit someone, you can do it for like, oh, you were talking to my sister. You're not allowed. And then, you know. Yeah. Um, so if they're not kind of introduced to the Korean ways um, yeah. soon enough, if okay. they don't get how serious it is, it can go wrong really quickly. Did you uh, during your, uh, I guess, the what is it? The orientation week. Was there any sort of uh, classes that you took that were introducing the Korean culture and this kind of thing? Because I think what you're getting at is um, a lot of uh, 
I'll give you an example, like Turkish culture is very, I wouldn't say it's inherently confrontational, but it's a very physical, macho culture. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you have to be able to stand your ground um, and you can't, you can't let someone get the upper hand on you because it shows weakness and that, you know, it's not like you're going to fight every day, but you don't want to be showing weakness in general, um, especially in a, in a very masculine culture, because that can look bad on you. And if you have like your girl with you or you got friends around, it could really mess the mood up uh, when you um, when you went there and you did your inter uh, your orientation week. Did they run you through like Korean culture? You know, this is something like, um, you know, we're not a confrontational culture. We don't do this. If you get in the situation, you need to back. Like, was it something like that? Because it sounds very serious. Um, yeah, we did have lectures on, on stuff to do, stuff not to do, because Koreans have some very, very different ways of, of even communicating of how you say stuff, how you greet people. Okay. Um, how are you, like, even if someone's a year older than you, your speech to them in Korean, it changes to like a more polite version. Okay. If they're like an old, old person, you have to be super polite. Um, okay. So they did introduce us to that. But, okay. you know, I don't know how many people were actively listening. That's the key, guys. <laughs> Remember, if you're going on Erasmus, you need to practice active listening. That's the key to everything. What else was the something you don't do in Korea? I'm interested in this. Oh, man. <laughs> um, well, you do bow, for example. Okay. So every time you're thankful, you're saying your kamsamnida and you bow. Um, people bow, bow back and if you take something, take with two hands. It's not like they won't kill you for taking mm -hmm. it with one hand, but it shows your appreciation for their culture. Okay. Um, oh, this is a this is a fun question. Then, um, you know, I have uh, I think my my schedule right now is about every 10 to 16 months I go back to the States and I actually run the problem of, you know, I only speak English fluently and I speak uh, German, but I also I have a lot. Basically, my 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 entire like childhood development, it was always an in international situation. So I pick up different words and stuff like a big one with my UK friends is like called end of the phone with like in a bizzle. Not sure what that means, but it's something we say or my Irish friend, you know, we go hang out. It's like you want to go have the crack, um, especially like when I go back to the States now, I'm so used to like at Rimi, at Selver or like when I'm leaving the classroom, like Aita Nagamis. Did you ever have a situation coming back where you're like you're off the plane, you go to our kiosk, you're thanking them, and you're like, thank you for the coffee? Did you just bow to people randomly? Yes, that happened a lot. So I picked up uh, Koreans when they communicate, they also their body language and the stuff they say, like, mm, ah, it's uh, it kind of like rubs off on you. So when I came back to Estonia, I had those like Korean mannerisms, okay. including bowing. So um, we had an Estonian group in in Seoul. Um, yeah. And we talked about this a lot and everybody who came back to Estonia were like, yeah, you start bowing to people and saying thank you for the coffee and, you know, thank you. Like, <laughs> So the Estonians kind of look weird on you when you do that, but why not? <laughs> I mean, I just, I think it's, uh, I think it's so cool because you, you were, in, you ingrained yourself into this culture and then it rubs off, in, which you probably will keep with you for a very long time if you think about it because, mm. you know. De developmental year developmental years are now rubbed off on you i think um when going to another culture it's very important to show appreciation to to their ways um yeah. because also in korea 
um, we had a lot of instances where there were American people in the cafes talking really loud. Um, people who had lived there for 15 years oh, and no. only said hello in Korean and, you know, those types of things. And, and that's why foreigners sometimes have a not the best um, reputation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have a I have a very similar um ideology about the foreigners here is part of the reason why i don't have a lot of expat friends i mean i'll be the first one to tell you i don't really speak any estonian i know enough just to get by right mm. um should i learn the language absolutely do i really want to do it not really <laughs> your grammar is terrifying why you need 14 cases for one word <laughs> I, you don't um also with korean i mean um for me it took at least two months to even hear the syllable like to hear and register what they were saying like in in vowels and how like it was so different i'd never heard a language like that before yeah turkish is very similar to that as well um mm. because like if you're not if your ears not it's if your ears trained to it or not to yeah, be able to pick it up exactly yeah like a lot of people um turkish is like if you say like um thank you thank you brothers like mm -hmm. so like if you i understand and anyone knows turkish will get it but like when I first moved to Turkey, I couldn't get it. So I guess you had the same experience. Mm. Um, did it make Estonian sound weird coming back at all if, if once you're used to it? Because I'd be interested to know that. Yes. Um, for me, especially after the first semester, because I hadn't been able to speak almost any Estonian, only yeah. when I was calling back with my family, which was not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I First of all, I remembered only English words. It okay. was really hard to speak Estonian. Um, okay. And then also like some Korean stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then people told me that I speak Estonian weird, especially my sister. She was like, your Estonian is it's not, <laughs> not Estonian. I'll agree with her. Your Estonian sounds weird to me. <laughs> yeah, people say that I, I change and I sound fake when I talk Estonian now. Um, I can't judge you on that one. <laughs> Rico, did, did you hear? Did you? Oh, sorry, Raiko, did you hear? Did, did you hear earlier? Did she sound different in Estonian? No, no. <laughs> no. I guess now I've, I've kind of like. Yeah, you've covered yourself up. Yeah, yeah, but I do try to pronounce stuff better because I know um, I've been studying in English for a long time. Like everything I do is in English. Okay. And it's really sad to see like how in my mind English is kind of has replaced Estonian. I think mm -hmm. in English even. Okay. So I, I kind of want to go back to Estonian and, and, and still keep the language alive. Um, so maybe when I speak, I try to pronounce like more correctly and, okay. and use well, better words. I mean, if you're really, if you're really determined to speak better Estonian, the school does offer courses in Estonian. <laughs> I'm sure you would love some of the economic exams in those languages. <laughs> Actually, I have taken some courses in Estonian because um, a year abroad, we have this mobility window, right? Yeah. Which is half a year. Um, but if you go um, have more, mm -hmm. it kind of like messes up your schedule with everything. So you might have to take some like Estonian courses. You might have to like replace stuff. Makes sense. Um, okay. Well, I already got the, I got the warning on the 30 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, normally towards the end of the podcast, you know, because we kind of we kind of go over all the topics. We just really talk. And I this is my thing is I don't want this podcast to sound like an interview. I want it to be a conversation to really get to understand. I think I have a better understanding in Korea. But if there is someone in, in EBS, right, because March 1st, 2021 is your deadline to sign up for Erasmus. I have to say that I plugged yeah, it. Please do. Yeah, please sign up before the deadline. March 1st. Um, if someone is thinking about, you know, Korea or Norway or there's a 
Korea versus any other country. What is the one defining factor and reason why they should choose South Korea? It's so far away. Yeah. And it it's, for me, it felt like home, but it is different. And with Korea, you, you get, you know, if you go to Europe, <clears throat> you get the countries around Europe, right? There is yeah. no students from, from like Asia, maybe few. But uh, if you go to Korea, the, the culture mix you get, mm-hmm. diverse, like huge compared to Europe, like so different and such a, I would say eye-opening for me um, to hear stories from from people that I've I've never talked to before nationalities mm-hmm. um, and how it kind of like opens up the world for you. I don't know how to put it into words, but you start to understand where people come from, where their ideas come from. How are people people so different? Um, they just grew up in a totally different mindset than you did. Okay. So do you? So what? What I guess we're getting out of here is. Um, not only get to you, do you get to experience the Korean culture and the Korean society, but you also get to experience little subsets of other cultures, mm-hmm. and that makes you a more worldly person. Mm-hmm. Which also with the Korea is, um, it's more relaxed. You don't have to, you know, in Europe we have this, like you said, this macho culture. Um, yeah. In Korea, it's more relaxed and more of a um, loving culture. I would say. That's interesting, because you know the stereotype is that. I guess that they're very cold or they're not or whatnot, but they are sometimes a bit superficial. Okay. Um, that comes from the sixties, from the war when they started plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, 20% of Koreans have done plastic surgery. Um, a lot of my friends have done plastic surgery there. It's, it's really normal. So it kind of shows that they're really focused on, on looks yeah. and you can see it on the streets. Uh, the streets looks amazing. People's style amazing people's like how they present themselves like their personality in clothes i'm gonna be honest with you that is the one thing i'm the most jealous of of any korean person is you know uh because i went to we went to high school in turkey and i had a probably a good four or five korean friends they were just regular dudes they just wore t-shirt and jeans but i was like jealous i'm like dude you could get away with so much more mm. and you just like they innately have such a confidence level to them that they're so assured by themselves where I'm just like, so not. And it, it's so, I don't, I, I'm rambling here because of, due to my insecurities, <laughs> but I've seen some videos online. They are some good looking dudes. Yeah. Yeah. It's every time I, when I was walking on the street, every like two minutes, my jaw dropped. I was like, wow, this is possible. Oh my god! <laughs> How? Where did you get those? Like what? <laughs> and um, yeah, they also wear masks as a, a fashion statement. Fashion statement, yeah. So before Corona, there were masks around. <laughs> yeah, you were. You already had a collection of masks going. Yes, into I did. It. Yeah, I've actually seen. I don't, do you have your black mask with you today? And uh, no, sorry. Oh yeah, I remember when I first met you. That was actually something I'd comment on. You had your mask all the way. It wasn't. She wasn't wearing just like a normal. Uh, mask she had one that had like extra long strings just to hang down here and then she could loop it behind her ears yeah and the mask is the um give 94 95 the n95 you were safe from rona to the maximum (laughs) i was prepared when i came to estonia i was shocked nobody wore masks i was just like like your numbers estonian numbers have actually um oh they're insane they're insane in korea even they had less cases a day Korea has 51 million people um, and the density is like, uh, so 
Korea is like to Estonia is from the. I mean, we can we can go back and forth all day about how pop and like densely populated Korea is. But have, yeah, have yeah. you been to a Remy? On a Friday afternoon, <laughs> when everyone's trying to check out to go home, it is a densely populated area. That's a mm. super spreader event right there. Yeah, my home store is Moxima now, so it's uh, uh, I feel also bad for populated. You. <laughs> well, that was also different. Like I, when I moved back, just um, getting used to Estonia, getting used to my new um, apartment, and yeah, seeing people not be as considerate as they were back also I, I got shocked how how people treated me here versus how people treated in korea like in korea the customer service in our home cafe the the guy who was the uh owner of the place yeah when he gave back uh like the card that you used he gave it back with two hands and then like bound 90 degrees and and like super super 90 Elevated degree bend. Three. Yes. Um, Dude's abs are on fire. <laughs> yes. And also like, it, it just, and in Estonia, when I went to the store, um, we had some, I tried to pay with my phone because I didn't have my Estonian cards. I still had uh, only Korean money and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the cashier, like, I think the machine broke or something and they started like, not screaming. Oh, they don't like it when you... Of, People in technology, you know, it can go in, in many ways. So, so, uh, and also the people behind me, they were like trying to like, oh, turn your phone off. And everybody was so like, I got scared. I'm like, I'm Estonian, but I got scared about this response to the machine network. <laughs> yeah, I, I can recall a, a couple of times when I've been yelled at by a Russian woman because uh, my card wasn't working fast enough. So she yeah, could check exactly. out with literally a single item. And I'm like, yeah, we have like it, it's gonna take two minutes to restart the whole system. Like we can wait. There's time. I had there's still a Korean like, um, everything's just, fine. Let's just smile. Oh, something happened. Yeah, but we're just hanging out. Yeah, we're just hanging out. It's just chill. Which uh, I think just saying like we're hanging out is a great place to wrap this podcast up. So if you have any other final words for Korea, say them now. Ooh, final words. So final. <laughs> um, I highly recommend going there. I okay. highly recommend like searching even just, even if you're interested in just uh, any documentaries, any stories, um, you can find me. You, we can talk because I experienced, I experienced so much in Korea that I cannot like, even with like three hours, I cannot talk about everything. There were so many instances that happened, so many things I learned, so many minute details in the culture uh um, okay. Change okay, so uh, just... I guess you've just made the offer. If someone's interested, they reach out yes. to you. What's Please your Instagram? See. What's your Facebook? Plug it. Um, <laughs> That's the Estonian pronouncement. Katie Elizabeth, but written in Estonian. So, All right, Katie Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone who made it this far in the podcast. Uh, your viewership is really appreciated here. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to just spend it with us. I'm sure Katie appreciates it just as much. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys next time. I wonder where we're going next. You'll figure out next week. You'll have a wonderful day. Stay safe. See y'all. Mm -hmm.